What's up, everyone, and welcome to Roots of Humanity, a podcast that celebrates the beautiful people and culture of our world. My name is Drew Binsky. I'm a world traveler and content creator who has spent the past 12 years traveling to all 197 countries in the world. In episode number 30 of Roots of Humanity, I talked to my friend Kamya, who is a digital nomad and spiritual educator about her Hindu roots. Ranging from meditation, yoga, and ancient health practices, Indian heritage is alive in the present because of people like Kamya. Born in England, Kamya has a lot to say about the Indian diaspora. We do have a lot of Indian Hindu people living in England that have either moved from India or even from other countries like Africa. But she's traveled far and wide throughout Southeast Asia and we hit it off discussing India's different regions. A perfect conversation for anyone who is planning a trip. I reminisce about my solo trip to India that ended up in a bus crash while we talk about festivals, women's rights, fasting, and South versus North Indian food. Tune in for a fast-paced conversation about one of the world's most exciting countries, home to perhaps the deepest spiritual community out there. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get into it. Hi, Kamya. How are you doing today? Hello. I'm doing great. Thank you. Where are you now? So I'm currently in Gujarat, um, in northwestern India. I've been there. Oh, nice. Okay, great. Gujarat. You know, I was just reading randomly the other day about this religion in Gujarat. Do you guys have like this different religion there um, where people fast for like weeks or months at a time? Yeah, we have a lot of different traditional communities, like really small communities, and each of them have their different sorts of rituals and traditions. Um, and definitely most of them incorporate some element of fasting. So it could be even for like a month or weeks. People just told me about it. It's common. What's this religion where people fast for a long time? Oh, and um, Jainism. J Jainism, yes, yes, indeed. So um, uh, Jain people do fast. And also during the month of Shravan month, which is uh, essentially the month of Shiva worship, you could call it essentially. Um, so a lot of people fast continuously during the Shravan month because it's... it's um, supposed to be a time of uh, deriving spiritual power and Jainism also has a lot of parallels uh, following the same sorts of traditions. What's your religion? I'm a Gujarati uh, Hindu as um, I grew up in England but uh, my roots, my ancestry are in this state in a small town called Vadnagar <laughs> and um, by you could call it by Sampradaya which is kind of like an ancestral lineage identity in Hinduism which is a wide subset of many smaller you could call it ancestral rivers, which mm -hmm. essentially are derived from the ancient rishis um, and the ancient times, uh, which were many thousands of years ago. And so by Sampradha, I'm a Shaivite. So essentially my, what we call Ishtadevta. So um, you can call it the, 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 the deity or even just a form of consciousness that you are kind of, connected to for me that is shiva as a lot of people know shiva is a popular hindu deity so that is my identity awesome wow so much information here where did you grow up in the uk so i grew up in manchester like born and raised yeah so i was born in different i was born in a different part of england but most of my time was spent in manchester and then i actually permanently shifted to india after finishing my university so that was around five years ago a lot of people shift the other way. They move from yeah. India to the UK. So what, what brought you back to your roots? 
Well, for me, it was everything from the lifestyle. So the quality of life here, I find is so much better, um, you know, in terms of work, what we call work-life balance. Um, also, my ancestral roots are here. So being able to constantly indulge in that self-discovery journey, um, being able to constantly seek out knowledge. For example, I just spent around two and a half months living in Varanasi. <laughs> so that's definitely not something I could do in England. And I love wow. Europe. I love England. Um, but it was a range of factors. And also the fact that I want to contribute and give back to my land uh, was one reason why I decided I want to come back. Good for you. Can I ask your age? Yeah, I'm 31 now. I'm 31. Oh, wow. High five. <laughs> 1991? Yeah, 1991. Yeah. When's your, what month? October. Okay, cool. I'm May, so I'm just a little bit older than you. There's so much to unpack here. I'm trying to figure out how to steer this conversation because before we talk about India, I'm so fascinated about the Indian diaspora in the UK because there's so many Indians there. And the food, the Indian food is substantially better than anywhere else in the world aside from oh, India. Yeah. And it's not even close. It's not, it's not even like, I mean, <laughs> you could argue some other places um, where you can find like really good Indian food, um, mm-hmm. like in Dubai. I mean, like Dubai is half Indian. So of course there's going to be good Indian yeah. food in Dubai. But like the UK is like, takes everything to the next level. Tell me about what it was like growing up in the UK with I'm going to completely make up a number and maybe, you know, five to 10% of the people there are have Indian heritage. Do you know the number in the UK? It's I have big. no idea, but we do have a lot of Indian uh, Hindu people living in um, England that have either moved from India or even from other countries like Africa. And so I actually had a lot of um, Indian culture when I grew up. So I used to take classes for learning the sitar, so classical music. I also learned my native language, which is Gujarati. So I learned how to read and write. And of course, that was like a really long time ago. So I'm, I'm nowhere near as good as I was when I was like 12. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I think that really did have a major um, uh, kind of impact on my curiosity as an adult to kind of reconnect and learn these things a lot more. Totally. My neighbor across the street, I can see her house from my desk. She, her parents are from Gujarat, but she grew up in Wisconsin. And she went to the same university that I went to, and we graduated the same year. And was I went to University of Wisconsin, but we never met in college, and randomly we're just neighbors now in Arizona, which is crazy. Oh, wow. But she also like retained that Gujarati language from her family. But she grew up in a small town in northern Wisconsin, where it gets mm-hmm. like minus thirty degrees Celsius, minus forty degrees Celsius in the winter, and she was the only Indian person like within miles oh and miles of her of her hometown. It's just in, I'm just drawing the parallels between, and she oh, and she's also Gujarati. Did I mention that? Did I say Indian or Gujarati? Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So her, she like speaks Gujarati, and her family's wow. from Gujarat. Um, yeah. So I just think that that that's a cool parallel. But the point is, yeah. there, there's a lot of Indian people, obviously, in the world. It's you know second most populous country in the world, but it's about to be the most populous country by the year 2030. Did you know that? Mm, yeah, I'm aware that it is it is growing. Yeah. Yeah, I think in the year 2030 they're predicting that India will surpass China in terms of population, which when I look over at my map here, you could probably fit three Indias in China, at least two. You could fit two two to three Indias in China. And the fact that there is, I mean, 1.5 billion people is is just astonishing. I'm jumping all over the place here, so bear with me. But what are some of your favorite regions to go to in India? So uh, one of the first ones I would say is Himachal Pradesh. So in the Himalayas, um, I just, absolutely love Himachal Pradesh. I uh, love the small villages, 
the local people and they have so many unique traditions, you know, their way of dressing, their food, you know, even their weddings are like of a particular style. And the, the one unique thing about Himachal is they have a deity or god for each of the small villages. So like unlike the metro cities in the villages, they still convene and, you know, they, they connect with their deities and they have like this whole community feel, right, where they all come together. You know, someone's getting married, the whole village will come and celebrate with them. Amazing. Um, and then you have, of course, the incredible nature. And Himachal is actually known as Dev Bhumi. So Dev Bhumi in Sanskrit means land of the gods. So there's also a lot of spiritual history, um, even with like Shiva and Parvati. So Parvati Valley, you might have heard, is quite a famous place in India. And uh, so that place, again, you know, is um, a lot of ancient history going back. And those same sites, you can see the same temples that are described in our ancient scriptures as well. So, um, yeah, Himachal Pradesh is definitely one beautiful nature and spiritual reconnection for me. I love South India as well. I just feel that the whole diversity of South Indian cultures is really fascinating. Um, I don't personally speak any South Indian languages like Tamil or uh, um, I'm forgetting Kannadiga. Huh? Sorry, it's a little late no, at night. Speak, so um, in Tamil Nadu, what do they speak? Um, they also speak it in Sri Lanka. Yeah, they do. They do. They speak Tamil in Sri Lanka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I thought, yeah. Um, but I find it really fascinating how, you know, we have like, so let's take like, if you take one religious festival like Navratri, which is celebration of the Divine Mother, right? Now, these things will be celebrated in so many different ways. Like in Gujarat, you'll have these uh, Garbas, which are massive dances, which are done in circles. Um, and in Tamil Nadu, you will have a, you know, a, a whole different set of celebrations. And I think that's what really astounds me as I've traveled throughout the kind of north, the south, um, east and west, is to see that there is, you know, what's linking is there's, there is a common thread that's linking all these different things, you know. Um, and so even though there's a language barrier, I still feel that, you know, I'm able to connect and I'm able to understand you know, some of the different uh, experiences. India is a continent. It's a subcontinent. It's by far the most diverse. I mean, I, you could also look at China. You could look at Russia. I mean, I was just in Siberia. I was right before the war. I was in Siberia and that was fascinating. But there's also only 100 million people in Russia, which is just the size of Uttar Pradesh or half the size of Uttar Pradesh. So it's like, wow. when you think about just so many people, so many different cultures, values, traditions, yeah. rituals, that's why I'm so drawn to India. I have done the Southern Ring. I started in my most recent trip to India. I started in Kochi and I literally drove all through Kerala to the literally the southernmost tip of the mainland. And then I awesome. went up to Madurai was really interesting. Yes, you ever been Madurai. There? Okay, beautiful. Really cool temple there. And then I went to Pondicherry, Chennai, um, and I did that whole thing. Um, that was yeah. my most recent trip. But I drew a lot of parallels to Thailand oh, yeah. uh, from that trip to India because the cuisine, every a lot of coconut is based into a lot of different curries and different spices. I mean, because North Indian food for me was a lot spicier, very different, very heavy. Yeah. And South Indian food is totally different. Dosa, you have all these cool dishes that are only in the South, to my, to my knowledge. By the way, I could be making mistakes left and right. So correct no, me no, if I'm no. wrong. I'm just... I'm sharing with you my my kind of India. No, it's totally uh, no. true. And I think definitely South Indian cuisine is a lot lighter because it is kind of there's less coconutty flavor. And North Indian food de does tend to be quite like a lot of onion, yes. garlic. Yes. <laughs> you know, a lot of yes. spices. So 
you know, I drew a lot of parallels to Thailand also with like, the, I don't know, like I, it was so different. There weren't like cows in the street, in the streets when I was in like Kochi and, and Tamil Nadu. Maybe I just the places I went, but my first trip to India, <clears throat> on contrast, I started in Goa and I went by myself. I did Pune, Mumbai. I stayed in Mumbai for a few weeks and then I went up. I went to Ahmedabad, but I didn't stay very long, just two nights. I know that's in Gujarat. And then I continued up to Udaipur, Jodhpur, Bikaner, Jaisalmer, which I loved all of Rajasthan, was fascinating. And then I went to Delhi, did the Triangle, to Agra and stuff. And then I did Jaipur. And then I went to Varanasi and um, Rishikesh, which I loved. Um, And then my trip cut short because of a bus crash that I was in. Uh, It was a really, really bad story. But um, but yeah, so that was my first trip. And then the other one was second. And talk about two completely different worlds. I mean, it's like, I don't know what other country you could go to that's so different. I I mentioned Russia, that's one. Um, But like, it's so, so fascinating. And I want to throw this out there that I am planning another trip in 2023. But I'm going to be going to all of the remote regions because I'm just most interested in Manipur, Nagaland, Sikkim, like the northeast. I'm so interested because so few people go there. Nag- um, Meghalaya, like Tripura. I don't know if I'm saying these places right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, also yeah. Um, the north north, like Himal Pradesh and Jammu and Kashmir, I'm also interested in. Uh-huh. And the town of Leh, L-E-H. I have yes. a couple friends that have been there. So that's kind of my next mission is to go mm-hmm. to the India that most people don't know exists, um, like the less crowded parts of India. What do you yeah. know about some of these regions? Yeah, so Leh is, um, I haven't personally been there, but I have been to Spiti Valley, which you could say is a Himachal version of Leh. Um, and it is just incredible. So when I went there for the first time, it was like I was in a different planet. Like it was the whole landscape, just like these huge expansive valleys, you know, different colors. And it's at a really high altitude. So a lot of people say you should really, and it's necessary to prepare for altitude sickness. And even for lay as well, it's at a really high altitude. Um, And a lot of these places have a lot of hidden monasteries. So some of the monasteries that I went to in Spiti, um, the doorways were really small. And, you know, I I was wondering why. And they said, well, you know, in those times, people were really short in height. <laughs> so they're like so ancient that it's like the whole human biology has evolved. And of course, the, just the energetic vibrations and the nature there is just fascinating. Plus, I think the fact that a lot of these places are quite disconnected from the internet, very disconnected. Uh, so they've, they've maintained this um, this purity, you know, of their life, this, this purity of uh, even what they consume and their food um, and their connection with nature. So I think, you know, all these places are, are, are beautiful and lay uh, is, is, I believe, to be just like that. That's so exciting. And I can't wait to get up there. As I said, just totally different world than what most people know. And um, yeah. I like to surprise people. I like to go. I want to visit remote tribes. And I know that there's a lot of tribes in, in that northeastern part. Um, like Nagaland and do you know anything about those regions or is that just like a different world for you? Yeah, so I haven't been there, but there is this um, one festival that happens called the Hornbill Festival, which you may have heard of. So yeah, so that's where a lot of the kind of tribe, different tribal folk come and they actually gather once in a year and it's like a music dance and culture festival and i believe you know again with each part of uh you know these northeastern regions again they have their own very specific traditions and they vary across all these regions yo this looks awesome i don't know why (laughs) i didn't know about this festival whoa yeah if you can go definitely this is crazy hornbill festival 
Wow. Yeah. I'm putting it at the top of my list right now, but that it's in December. I can't make it this December, but I, I'm going next year. Nagaland yeah. Corn Bill Fest. Thank you. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of really amazing tribes there as well. And I, ha I have had some friends that have gone and they've told me stories, but I'm yet to explore. I've been to Sikkim, but I'm yet to explore the other ones. How's Sikkim? Sikkim is really beautiful. I think it's one of the cleanest places that I've been to in India. And again, a really good place to connect with nature because, you know, it's just been so well maintained uh, and it's on a height. So you have, um, you know, have the clean air and it's uh, and all the ancient sites have also been preserved really well. Wow. You are so well spoken and knowledge knowledgeable about India. It's really, really nice to to replenish my my India um, whatever's been missing in, in me forever because you know india's india's a love-hate relationship as you probably can imagine oh, yeah. and when i had my bus crash there it was really bad and i talked about it in my content and i don't know if the word offended is the right word but i i made a lot of indians upset but then i went back and i made some like incredible stories all around india um yeah the way i explain india is just like everything thrown at you in the face all at once everything <laughs> colors smells everything um, crazy luxury rich extreme poverty it's just like and it's like every vision you turn especially in the cities it's all there mm -hmm. it's all there at the same time and so yes, yes. and it's exciting it's exciting i went there for the first time as a 25 year old by myself and i i just had i think i grew more from that trip than any other trip and mm -hmm. so i always recommend people to go there it, it challenges you um yes it does, it, and, yeah. and of course like the beauty it's just like absurd the buildings there and stuff right yeah even for me, you know, the most transformative period of my life happened when I was here. And, you know, like you mentioned, kind of this like love-hate relationship, of course, it's there's been a lot of challenges, but huge breakthroughs as well. And, you know, it's like over time, I've started to, like this whole, it's like, like you mentioned, it's, it's everything. It's like a whole celebration going on every day. And what I find most fascinating is that Mm -hmm. um, you have the ancient civilization living parallel to the modern one. So whereas, you know, Mesopotamia, uh, Mesoamerica, Inca civilizations, mine, all of them were wiped out by religious invasion. Um, you know, the Vedic civilization is the only one which, which has kind of um, survived to the extent that it has survived. Um, you know, in places like Varanasi, you can see these these kind of people uh, practicing things and rituals and festivals and they're going on since so many years and even in the metro cities you know it's like you have like you mentioned you have these incredible five-star hotels and just you know people who are just super rich and at the same time you have these remnants of the ancient civilization and I'm always kind of, um, you know, I'm confronted with an inner conflict as well. Like you mentioned, you know, the, the poverty and the wealth. And so all these things do, of course, stir up. And I think that's what India does to everyone on some level. It stirs your soul. Like it makes you confront yourself because everything is inside, you know. And so it kind of forces you to confront, you know, the, the challenging parts and the good parts and then like you know somehow you, you as you mentioned you grow and you find you find something out of yourself that was amazing thank you so much for sharing that i really appreciate that i want to transition a little bit into your social media because it's really fascinating i've seen some of your reels and some of your the, the messages that you're putting out there what's uh what's going on in your world of uh, instagram 
So I started my Instagram journey in around 2017, properly, that's when I got my first camera. And I started solo traveling in around 2016. So I went to Cambodia, I went to Vietnam, um, I spent a lot of time in the Himalayas. And then I actually got a job. So I got a job as a, a supervisor uh, for randomized control trials and economic research here in India. Um, and I did actually eventually want to do a PhD in economics. Um, and then around two months into that, I realized I just, I don't want to do this. I want my autonomy, even though this was like my dream job and money and prestige and all these things. And so it was like, okay, I'm done here. And then I <laughs> went, went back. And um, so at the time I was online tutoring. So that was how I was making my income as a digital nomad. Um, and I was own content creation only started coming like uh, some time after that. So that's when I started, you know, growing. I started doing some different collaborations or doing some social media marketing. And I feel like Instagram has had a major part in my journey as um, a traveler and also as a spiritual seeker uh, because it's really allowed me to connect with people um, from across the world and also in India because I do have a lot of Indian audience and followers so I like to connect with the community so I regularly do like community meetups or do different workshops um, and, and these things I think have been some of the most enriching and I think it's it wouldn't have been possible without social media you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's really awesome. So you said most of your audience are Indians or is it like yeah. half half? Most are from India and then I have uh, some audience from Europe and some from America. So are you trying to inspire others who are not Indian to introduce them to your culture? Is that also one of your missions? For sure. Like I, I, I really love to do that. And especially I see a lot of people in um, what we call like new age spirituality. Um, a lot of people are interested in either coming to India or learning more about, you know, yes. Indian knowledge systems, but they don't yes. know like how to start or, you know, they're scared because it's really scary, you know, for someone to just land up in a foreign country. Um, so I'm definitely interested in doing more of that. I have, uh, I've been a little slow on the social media front for the past few months, but definitely um, that will transpire in the future. Sure. Let's talk about Gujarat. Just one one of the how many states are in India? Thirty something? I honestly don't know. <laughs> Hold on. How many states in India? I think it's like thirty something. There is twenty-eight. Okay. So okay. let's talk about Gujarat. It is one of twenty-eight states in India, but one of the most known, I can say, because it's just it's I mean, it's not far from Mumbai. Gujaratis are everywhere in the world. You'll find Gujaratis them in are... all countries. <laughs> what is Gujarat known for? What's what's happening in Gujarat? So I would say the first thing is we are known for our very grand Navratri celebrations. So these are Nav means nine and Ratri means night. So these are nine nights of celebrating the different manifestations of the, of the Divine Mother Durga. And so um, it, what happens is these people dress these amazing costumes and they do these concentric circular dances and they go on the whole night. <laughs> and, and like a wedding? Start, yeah, like a huge, like a grand state, like thousands of people, you know. And one of the biggest ones happens in Varodra in Gujarat. And generally, like Navratri is a spiritual um, festival, so people fast. I also fast during those nine days, so I just have fruits or I have fruits and milk. You fast for nine days? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's insane. 
<laughs> but you know you get used to it because after the third day you know you start feeling high like without taking anything because you're just energies and like because a lot of energy goes into to your digestion right and so when you take that factor out and also why fasting during these times well because the astrological alignments of the planets is of a particular form right according to the Vedic calendar so a different energy is being created which actually supports the rise of yeah. the energy and so then all these different like dances and so all of this is like it's it, it, it's all kind of it, it's uh, how you would say it's all to raise the energy <laughs> and then you also have uh, a lot of different you have beautiful desert in Gujarat as well so it's called the run of Kutch you have a lot of different types of communities here and uh, each of them have their own dressing style they have their own food patterns so Gujarat is famous for all this different diversity and I'm still exploring more of it haven't nearly explored enough but definitely I think the fact that Gujarati people are very welcoming and it's one of the safest states in India I think that oh, really? would probably yeah yeah for women because Delhi is very unsafe but, yeah. but Gujarat is uh, known as one of the safest states for women like hands down isn't Gujarat a dry state yeah it's a dry state why it's not an Islamic thing no, it's not. Um, but I don't know. Actually, I, I think, I mean, something somewhere, something must have happened in the policy. People drink a lot here, like under the radar. I would say Gujaratis do. <laughs> I imagine. I imagine. But like, but it is, you can't buy it in a store. No, no. Unless you go to like a five-star hotel. But like all the states around Gujarat, you can drink. So people just go buy beer and bring it in. I mean, it's not, yeah. they're not going to, they're not going to like, Put you to jail if you get caught no. right they just it's more of like they just don't sell it type thing and there's no bar yeah they don't sell it but i think that does contribute to some of the um reduced Safety. crime rates cool so somebody's gonna go to india for two weeks which is not enough time but let's just say someone has two week vacation they go to india yeah. where are they going what, what's your suggestion oh wow that is such a difficult question. i know that you mentioned uh him 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 child pradesh what's it called Himachal Pradesh. Himachal, yeah, yeah. Pradesh. that could be part of it mm. but i feel like you need two weeks there but what would you say how would you give someone advice for a couple week trip well i would say if you wanted to do one week in the north and one week in the south you know spend say if you land in bangalore spend three or four days exploring some of the ancient temples in karnataka if you really wanted to go unexplored humpy. temples humpy yeah humpy i went there oh you went yeah. there okay <laughs> yes been there? yeah i've been there i've been there a long time ago yeah i left um, that out when I told you about my trip to India, I, I forgot to mention Humpy for some reason. Yeah, that's Karnataka, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Humpy's in Karnataka. And so around Humpy, you have a lot of unexplored ancient temples from the Hoysala dynasty. So this is one of the ancient dynasties. And so three days, I think, is good to, you know, you can drive around in a car and then uh, make your way up to even Gokarna. So Gokarna is just underneath Goa. Again, beautiful, um, you know, explore some of South India. I would say a trip to India, I personally feel is not complete without at least a couple days or three days visit in Varanasi. I feel that's where you just really get to the core of it and you're just <laughs> like, wow, this place is crazy, you know? <laughs> so spiritual, uh, like it's, it's wild. Yeah. I'm looking at the map. Gujarat is actually really close to Pakistan and it's close to Karachi, which is the biggest city in Pakistan. Yes. Do you see yes. any uh, 
obviously <clears throat> both cultures are so similar. The biggest, the only and really big biggest difference between Pakistan and India is religion. Is there any cross-cultural things happening? I mean, are there are there a lot of Muslims in Gujarat because of Pakistan? Or talk about just being near Pakistan. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, for example, if you look at the very western side of the run of Kutch, um, now, what happened during the religious invasions is that a lot of Hindus were converted. So you have a lot of people that um, are, you know, are, are belonging to Islam or, you know, they are maybe from Pakistan. But during the, because we had this whole partition, right? So the border. Uh, so then what happened is a lot of them came this side. And so a lot of them, you know, despite religion, I think a lot of people have, have maintained um, ways of life which are common. So, for example, you have certain weaving communities, right, who have maintained these traditional art forms, you know, despite the conversions or despite the invasions or partitions and British colonialism and all sorts. Um, they, you know, I think that's something magic that you see across India is that, you know, um, regardless of the different communities or, you know, different religions, is that we do see these common cultural attributes even the food and the style of speaking. So I think that's something that you, that, that's definitely, that is a cross-cultural exchange. The food in India is so good, but unfortunately for a Western stomach, and I have to ask you because you grew up in the UK, do you get sick in, from the food in India? Um, so I do struggle because I find it hard to have spicy food, um, but I do find it fairly easy to get people to modify my food. So I tell them, you know, don't, put too much chili or I have to repeat it five times and say no chili <laughs> and then then uh, you know it's okay but uh, for the most part you know and even in my uh, you know in my own family we have very sattvic very non-spicy food so yeah like just just generally um, I have to be very caref careful where I eat if I eat outside yeah on my third day in India on my first trip I ate this chicken curry in Goa and I was just you know, hands and knees on the bathroom floor for two days, oh lost 10 God. pounds or, I don't know, five kilos. And it was just, oh. it, I was so weak that I couldn't even get to the phone to call the reception of the hotel to tell them that I was not feeling well. It was so bad. But I've also oh. had bad food poisoning in Yemen and Pakistan and Sudan. So it's not, yeah. it's just, uh, yeah, you got to be careful what you eat. Yeah, for sure. You have to, you have to come prepared for that. <laughs> but the food is so good, I must say all the different kinds of spices and curries and I mean every region you go to is different it's it's wildly wildly different I'm gonna ask you one final question you can answer this however you want if you could say one message to everyone in the world what would you tell them I would say spend at least 10 minutes in meditation every day observing yourself connecting with yourself and one philosophy if you want to take from vedic culture is that this world is maya <laughs> it's a it's an illusion to some extent and um, you know all our human experiences all the you know the challenges the ups and downs are all there for a reason to help us evolve help us grow and to help us to regain that trust with ourselves, because the world is always going to keep fluctuating it's always going to keep changing but what is constant is the awareness that we maintain, the connection that we maintain with ourselves, And so especially in these trying times where you have a lot of different socio-political upsets and different sorts of health issues, that we spend at least some time, you know, reclaiming that connection with ourselves, restoring balance. And I think I feel like this is what is going to heal the world.
That was one of the best answers I've ever had to that question, what's one message you want to give to the world? And I've been asking people that since 2017. So, oh congrats. my God. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> uh, you. How can people find you on social media? So my main page is Wandering Kamya. So W-A-N-T-E. So Wandering Kamya with a K. And I guess it would be written here. <laughs> and then I also have a personal page. I am Kamya Butch, um, where, you know, me post some random pictures of my tea or things like this. <laughs> but I, I, I utilize both pages. Beautiful. Well, this has been a really good chat. I'm now inspired to go back to India soon and I'll let you know when I go back. Please, please do, yes. And um, keep up all the good work and we'll, we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Namaste, thank you. Namaste. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast episode. If you feel inspired by this conversation, please share it with somebody who would enjoy listening. And if you're here for the first time, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to leave a review. Every week, I'm going to be looking through them and highlighting my favorite one. And with that all being said, I will see you guys next week.